0: every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe.
1: Hey, hey, hey. I feel like I came in a little late on that, but I love it because sometimes I feel like I want to come in late, I want to come in early. Sometimes I'm super excited, sometimes I'm just regular excited. But today I'm super excited because we got a great show today. You are listening to I'm probably right. I'm Reggie Watkins. Rate us, review us, subscribe, comment, but don't be hating. My man Kevin Cleland is running the boards, producing, engineering. Thank you, Kevin. How you doing, brother? Well, oh, I am just uh, felt like I got a beat down, which I did. So the, uh, the <laughs> Santa Clara uh, 49ers, your team, uh, sure did uh, knock us around last night. Oh, man, they did, a, they did a number on you guys. And we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Week 10 in the NFL We're also going to get into a little bit of uh, the newest Ben Simmons drama, along with the OBJ saga, and both of them trying to get out of their job and into new jobs. And finally, we're going to talk about the movie on Netflix that really caught my attention this weekend. It's called Passing. We'll discuss that and more. But first up. So if you guys did not hear in the opening, uh, which I'm sure you heard in the opening because you're still listening to me now, uh, our producer, Kevin Cleland, is a Rams fan. And last night, those Los Angeles Rams traveled to Santa Clara, where the San Francisco 49ers play. We talked about that last week. I don't know why they're still called San Francisco. They are playing San, They play in Santa Clara. They practice in Santa Clara. You Might as well call them the San Jose 49ers. But I digress. Our two teams met last night. Uh, at Levi stadium which is a terrible stadium by the way um at least you guys have a better stadium kevin i will say that yours is is newer um ours was built terribly and if you happen to be there while the sun is shining you about to fry okay you're gonna fry or you're gonna get closer to my color than kevin's color on <laughs> on the on day that you were sitting there watching a game in santa clara uh but last night the rams and the 49ers met up and the 49ers Beat them down. I mean, beat them down. 31-10. to 10, And I was not expecting this at all. I was, I mean, hell, the Rams were, um, it was a minus two and a half was the spread that I got it at. And, of course, I took that because uh, I was just in Santa Clara the week before. And the Niners were trash, trash and lost to Colt McCoy. The Rams came in. Just got OBJ. Uh, they did lose Robert Woods, we found out over the weekend. Robert Woods tore his ACL, which is unfortunate. And so them signing OBJ was timely, thinking that OBJ was going to step right in and be able to ball. They get out there. They also got Von Miller for the first time getting a chance to play with the Rams. And you thinking, oh, my God, they're just going to run over the 49ers. That's not how things went. They got out there and... Right away the game starts and they try to get OBJ the ball. OBJ caught the first pass. They dropped back and threw him the ball on the little comeback route on the outside on the right, right side of the hash mark. Mm, right? Getting him involved. About two plays later, Matt Stafford, and this is the thing that really bugged the hell out of me, Kevin. I don't know if you're watching the game. Well, I'm sure you're watching the game, but OBJ is on the left side of the field. Okay. He's split out all the way to the left. He runs a streak down the left sideline. Matthew Stafford drops back, rolls out a little bit because it's a broken play, and then heaves it up towards the middle of the field where there's a safety waiting to intercept the ball. And do you know what the analyst said right after that happened, Kevin? Do you remember? Quit on the route. Brian Greasy said, OBJ just quit on that play. He, he didn't run the right route. He quit on the route. What? What? And this is the thing that people like to do with OBJ, and not enough people will check them on it. He ran a nine route, which is a streak for people who don't know. That's a streak, which means he runs down the field. He got past one receiver. They were bracketing him with another safety back there. He was basically double covered on that nine. Matthew Stafford, if he wants to throw that ball, he has to throw it to the left. Where OBJ is running, Matt Stafford threw it to the middle of the field where OBJ was not running. That is not on OBJ. That is a pick by Matthew Stafford. Now, albeit basically, it was a punt because it was third down and he threw the ball all the way down there. They weren't getting the first down. He basically just threw it all the way to the other other side of the field. Niners got the ball and it was basically a punt. But don't put that on OBJ. That was not an OBJ at all. What happened here? And what I watched from this game was Matthew Stafford just showed everybody once again that he's just a guy. He's just a guy. Like, there's no no other way around it. This man came into the NFL in 2009 as the number one overall pick. Number one. Played with the Detroit Lions up until this year. He's been with the Detroit Lions his entire career. Kevin, do you know his record against winning teams in the NFL for his career? I do not offhand. 8 and 67. That's not good. That is atrocious. 8 and 67 versus teams that end up having a winning record at these at the season's end. And that's just telling you what this guy is. There's a reason that the Lions let him go. They weren't in love with Jared Goff, but they damn sure weren't in love with Matthew Stafford anymore. They had seen this movie play out for hell, 11 years, right? They're like, okay, we've seen enough. The guy has a big arm. He's a nice dude. He just ain't that dude. And there's the difference. Now, here's the thing. Because he's got that big arm, and he's a nice guy, and he's not bad. He's just better than average, right? He's better than average, where I would say average quarterback is like a Baker Mayfield. That guy's average, to, to maybe slightly better than average. Matthew Stafford is good. He's just not great. He's good. And that's the difference. It's really so, the margins are so slim for the difference between a great quarterback and And a good quarterback. Because you can have a good quarterback. A good quarterback will get you third and tens. Because that's where the average quarterback just doesn't succeed. They don't succeed on third down. Now, if you get them third and five, like last night, Jimmy Garoppolo was in third and two, third and three, third and five, all night. Anybody with a pulse and an arm should be able to get you out of third and fives, third and four, third and three, third and twos. But when you get to third and eight, Third, nine, third, 10, third, and 15, those, that's where you need a quarterback who makes it happen for you. And Matthew Stafford has been able to do that, just not consistently enough to be great. And there's the difference. They should have won this game last night. If they had any other quarterback playing, like playing like themselves, they win that game last night. But Matthew Stafford, this is what he does occasionally. I mean, it's been two weeks in a row. He's played terrible. And this is just what happens with him. He's not consistently great so that you can call him great. He's just better than average most of the time. And that's not enough in the NFL to get you a championship. I don't care all the players they've got. They grabbed OBJ and you're watching this thing with OBJ. You're going to see this this year, this you're going to see because they're on a bye week now next week is when I'm playing. I have OBJ on my fantasy team. I'm playing him next week. I'm starting him next week. Why? Because this week, you're not really getting a chance to see him. And, of course, you're going to get the Twitter reactions. I got friends who my boy LM is constantly calling him washed up because he doesn't really watch OBJ play. He doesn't watch the Browns games or anything. It's just his narrative around OBJ and most people's narrative around OBJ. But you don't get a guy who doesn't know the play. He just got there. What was it? On Wednesday? When he just got here on Wednesday, he had one, one, one or two practices With Matthew Stafford, doesn't know the playbook. The Rams couldn't even have him in the game on third downs because it's too precious. He doesn't know the playbook. So he was on the sideline for almost every third down. They couldn't have him in the red zone because he doesn't know the plays. And it's too precious to have guys who haven't been with the team out there in the red zone who don't know what's going on. So you're watching OBJ on the sidelines. And, of course, you're going to get the haters. Oh, look, he can't even play in the game. They can't even put him in there. They don't think he's good. J- relax. Just relax. OBJ will be fine. I The Rams will be fine. I still don't think, even with the additions and watching Matthew Stafford this past week, I just don't think he's the guy that's going to get it done for you because at the end of the day, they're going to have to go through even though they beat them this year they're going to have to see Brady who did not have he's had two bad games in a row as well but when it counts the most I trust Brady more than I trust a Matthew Stafford and that's where it ends up coming down to and and Aaron Rodgers even though I, I think he's a bum I trust that guy to make it happen more than I trust Matthew Stafford just what it is and, and we didn't have any great games this week. I mean, and, and but let me stay on this Monday Night Football game because I'm a Niner fan, but I didn't want them to win. I'm pissed off that they won because every win, every time they do good, every time they they score points, all that does is delay Trey Lance getting on the field. And we are going nowhere. We aren't winning a Super Bowl. We aren't winning a play. We're not winning a playoff game. Like, just... We're not we're not a better team than the Rams if Matthew Stafford plays good. We're not a better team than them. We're not a better team than the Arizona Cardinals. Hell, we're not a better team than the Arizona Cardinals with Colt McCoy starting at quarterback. So imagine what the hell's gonna happen when Kyler Murray comes back. That's gonna be an ass whooping of epic proportions. The Seahawks? Eh. I mean, if Russ keeps playing the way Russ is playing, I mean he just got back from having a fractured damn finger. So we can't put too much stock in what happened this week. Next week will be the test. How do they do next week? We shall see. Uh, I, I, I think the Niners just need to go ahead and run with Trey Lance. Just run him out there. Even though he's not really ready, but he's not ready for what? He's not going to be good this year. He's not going to be great. Put him in there. Let him take his lumps. Let's get better let's just grow because we're we're all we're going to do is end up with middle of the round draft picks. We don't even have a first round draft pick next year anyways, because we traded it away for Trey Lance who was sitting on the bench behind Jimmy Garoppolo, who is average. Rest of this week. Didn't have great games. I mean, the, the, the man, the marquee, hell, I was watching the Patriots and the Browns. Awful game. Awful game. The Patriots put the wood to the Browns. And funny, because last week when the Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals, what was it, like 41 to to something? They beat them down, right? Everybody wanted to talk about see what happens when OBJ is not around the Cleveland Browns or what happened this week? What happened this week? Yeah. Baker Mayfield just showed you why he ain't worth no damn money. And why the Browns are in a pickle that I've been saying since the beginning of this show. They are in a bad position because they've got a defense that is pretty good and ready to win now. They've got running backs who are great, ready to win now. They just got rid of a great receiver. They still got some good receivers, but their quarterback is boo-boo. And they've gotten they've almost got no choice but to let that guy go and try to start over. But when you start over, now you're gonna have to go and draft a dude. And what are you gonna where are you gonna get the guy who's ready made to come in and play right now with this team? You you can't. You almost just have to give Baker Mayfield the money. Now, you're not gonna give him 40 million some odd type money, the same way the Dallas Cowboys messed around and made sure they didn't give uh, Dak Prescott no crazy money but you got to give him some good money. He's going to have, he's a he's the quarterback. They're going to, they're going to give him about 30 some odd million dollars, which is, which, which is about what an average dude should get about 30 some odd million dollars, because you need the rest of that money to pay other people to be better than average. But <laughs> they just traded a better than average wide receiver for, Oh, just let him go for basically nothing. So Cleveland Browns in, in, in a total mess the Buccaneers what the hell happened what the hell happened Tom Brady uh, Tom Brady I don't want to I don't want to be the dude I don't want to be the dude to say that Tom Brady is falling off the cliff a la Max Kellerman but damn he looks like he's staring over the cliff right in these last two weeks he has not looked good at all I mean complete halves of football where he's just looked pedestrian interceptions oh my gosh just just not good and and the bucks their defense can't sustain the bucks not having points on the board their defense is not good enough to sustain that that type of uh dominance it just doesn't happen and and the same thing we talked about earlier this year when people were saying oh you can't run against this. you can't run against the buccaneers why can't you Just because a team did something last year don't mean they're going to do it again this year just because they got the names. People adjust. The league adjusts. Teams get better. Teams figure out what they can do against these teams, and they go out and do it, and that's what we're seeing. But we're also seeing a lot of parity in the NFL because, like we said, you'll see weeks where somebody looks great and somebody looks terrible. The week before that, uh, the two weeks in a row, the Buccaneers have not looked good. Two weeks in a row, the Rams have not looked good. Uh, The Patriots look really good the last couple of weeks. But if you really watch them through a, uh, you know, with with a magnifying glass, they're just getting really lucky that they're playing against people who just aren't good. The Browns just aren't a good football team. They're just not. They don't have a good enough quarterback to overcome going on the road and winning games. Mac Jones looks better than people actually think. I mean, he looks better than he actually is playing and what he's doing is he's doing the jeff garcia he's doing the uh uh who, who's this i don't you know what he's doing is the little dink and dunk passes for for short yardage high completion percentage that looks good and it helps people win because as long as he's not turning the ball over he is helping the team but whenever they get into a position where they're down by scores and they need somebody to make it happen for them he's not going to be that guy And we're going to see that down the stretch. People are predicting them to go to the playoffs. I still don't have them in the playoffs. I still see them losing games down the road. They're going to lose to the Buffalo Bills twice. They've already lost to the Dolphins. I suspect they'll lose to the Dolphins again. They're they're going to beat the Jets again. But this team is not as good as their record is is showing. They're they're a little overrated. Next week, we're going to see. I mean, hopefully, I think we're through with the buys next week. I think next week is the last week of buys, and then we'll get back to having some good damn games because, I I, I, I can't take much more of this. Hell, this Thursday, we got the Patriots and the Falcons. Colts and the Bills. That's a good game. I mean, on Sunday. Ravens and the Bears. I want to see that. All right. Uh, Ooh, Lions and the Browns. Good Lord. Texans, Titans. No, thank you. Packers, Vikings, no. Dolphins, Jets, Saints, Eagles, Washington team, Carolina, 49ers, Jaguars, Bengals, Raiders, Cowboys, Chiefs, Cardinals, Seahawks, Steelers, Chargers. The only game next week that I care to watch is Cowboys, Chiefs. Woo, Lord, we can't get through these bye weeks soon enough. Hurry, hurry, hurry. We back after the break. So uh, there's some stuff that's been going on in the world of sports that just sometimes makes me sit back and pause and wonder, what the hell is wrong with people? And case in point, there's two things that have been happening um, over in basketball, in the NBA, in the NFL, two situations that have you people losing your mind, right? Now, I get it. Media. Let me let me say this: Most of you think that you're making your own decisions and you're making your own choices in what you say and what you believe, but you're really not. We're really not. There's very few, you know, I'm saying, free thinkers on this planet. Uh, There's very few people who come up with something new under the sun. It just doesn't happen. And. What happens a lot, especially in sports, is narratives get placed and people just fall in line with what makes them feel good and what they want to believe. So let's take the Ben Simmons thing here, okay? Ben Simmons with the 76ers uh, is still not playing and he's claiming mental health issues, right? Clearly. And who knows? Maybe he does have mental health issues, but clearly, he just does not want to play for this team anymore. And he is trying anything he can to make sure that he does not have to play for this team. Because if he just says, I don't want to play, then they don't have to pay Okay. And that was the whole crux of the situation earlier in the in, in the offseason. He was saying, I never want to play for this team again. And all the Philly fans and all the the emotional people in the me- news media and and around the world on Twitter and social media, all this stuff were like, man, Ben Simmons is trash. We got to get him up out of here. They're calling this kid trash who was 24, now about to be 25 years old, who's a uh, third team All-NBA player, a three three times straight uh uh, NBA uh, All-Star, also three-time first-team All-NBA defense, and this kid is trash because he had one bad series in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, he's got to get up out of Philly. They got to get him up out of there. Man, Philly can't wait to trade him. And all along, I told people, you're out of your mind. You're speaking emotional. The business people in Philly know better. They know what kind of asset they have in this guy, and they're never going to trade him unless they can get something good for him. But what I failed to realize is the stupidity of the people in Philadelphia. Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, to be exact, right? Because Daryl Morey is trying to hang on to High Hill to get something for this guy instead of just taking the loss. And I understand the sentiment. You don't want to give away four bucks for two. I mean, that would be the dumbest thing on the planet, right? But when Ben Simmons says, I don't want to play for you guys anymore, and then comes to practice and doesn't really practice, and then you start finding him and sending him home, and then all of a sudden he decides to say, uh, I'm injured. And they say, no, you're not injured. They have You get checked out. And then he goes to the coup de grace and says, nah, my leg ain't injured. My mind is injured. You lost, dog. You guys have lost. There's no way to prove that he is not mentally uh, hurt from this situation or not – Uh, dealing with things mentally right while he's being made to try to play for your team. You have lost. You are basically just holding a distressed asset that is losing more and more by the day. And then they want to blame Rich Paul for this too, right? Uh, Rich Paul made a statement the other day um, after Philadelphia lost to the Toronto Raptors on Thursday night. um, And he said, Ben Simmons believes the, I'm sorry. Well, this is from Sam Sharnia. Uh, she wrote Ben Simmons believes the Philadelphia 76ers recent actions are exacerbating his mental health issues and that the team wants to deem him fit to force him to play regardless of what he tells the team's mental health therapist. His agent told the athletic on Thursday, I truly believe the fines, the targeting, the negative publicity shine on the issue. That's very unnecessary and has furthered the mental health issues for Ben. That's what rich Paul CEO of clutch sports. Who's also his agent said, either you help Ben or, or come out and say he's lying. Which one is it? They are drawing the they're drawing the line in the sand. You guys need to either trade us or admit that he is not mentally well and just pay him to sit home. What are you going to do? What is it going to be? And I don't even know if I believe him. I'm I'm almost sure he is fine. I would I would I would almost one hundred percent guarantee that once. Ben Simmons gets traded somewhere. His mental issues are going to fly away. He is using this to get the hell up out of Philly. He is using the leverage that he has, the little bit of leverage that he's got to make this happen. Same thing that Odell Beckham Jr. did in Cleveland. He had a little bit of leverage. And what his leverage was, was, yo, I'm a star. I'm not getting the ball. I want to get up out of here. How do I make it happen? I can't just walk in there and say, yo, I want to go. I want to get up out of here because the fans are going to hate me. The fans will talk trash about me, all that stuff. I'll look like a pariah. But what I can do is have my pops out here sharing videos where it looks like I'm wide open and never getting the damn ball from this dude who's a bum of a quarterback. And I can stop talking to this bum of a quarterback in practice and making sure that the relationship is frosty to the point of team might as well let me go. And he did. And he got to go exactly where he wanted to go. And people will say, oh, well, he must feel embarrassed that he didn't he he cleared waivers. And that's just people who don't know football. Because of course he wanted to clear waivers. You if you don't clear waivers, you get picked up by whatever team decides to put in the money to get you. That could have been uh hell. That could have been the damn Detroit Lions could have done that. You know what I'm saying? Uh who else is terrible? The Houston Texans could have put in a, a waiver bid for him. But if they do that, they know OBJ is not resigning with him, so it makes no sense to take him on waivers when you have to pay him $8 million, which is what the Cleveland Browns negotiated for him, plus a roster bonus, which is what the Cleveland Browns negotiated along with Odell Beckham and his agent to make sure that he got the roster bonus. And who is OBJ rep by? Uh, Clutch Sports. Clutch for us, save same as, as Ben Simmons, right? LeBron's just taking over the world. So he gets his way out, gets to the team that he wants to go to. He's happy. But for some reason, I don't understand why the public and people want to be upset with Ben Simmons and OBJ. They are true American heroes showing you guys the way. Since when? Since when? Does the public side with ownership and management? I still don't understand why this is happening, why people are doing this. What happened? We should all hope for OBJ and Ben Simmons to get whatever the hell they want from these billionaire owners. Why don't we do that? And it's really puzzling to me why that narrative happens obj should if he wants to win he should go to he better go to the packers i mean if he really wants to win man do you think the owners really want to win we don't ever say that about the owners right we always say that about the players if if the player wants to really win he should take less money and go green bay offering less money not where he wanted to be why the hell would anybody take less money to go play in the frozen tundra tell me why anybody in their right mind would do that makes no sense but we want these players to do that because it fits the narrative that we think that they should be doing. They should be trying to win at all costs. I'll tell you who ain't trying to win at all costs. The owners, because the owners are trying to get bread at all costs. If the owners wanted to win as bad as you want these players to win, the owners would be go, in the NBA. The owners, every single owner would go over the luxury cap. They, they would all pay the luxury tax. But you only get a couple of teams doing that. And there's only a couple of teams that do it because they really want to win. The Los Angeles Lakers, always paying the luxury tax. The Cleveland Cavaliers, when LeBron was there, always paying the luxury tax. Because those guys want to win. It helps their brand more to win. Other teams, lesser market teams, they're good with just being good. Because the money's already there. Whenever you see these teams play on TV, they have been paid already. You do not own a professional sports, especially the NFL or the NBA, and lose money. They are money printing machines. All they do is profit. There is no loss. Absolutely no loss. So why don't we hold the owners to the same standard that we do these players? The owners and and GMs can trade and move these players whenever they want to. But when a player decides they're going to take some power into their own hand and hold the levers that they have, we start talking like we down with the owners. When the owners would never, ever, ever want to be with you. Ever. If any of these owners woke up one day and felt like they were the same as you, they might kill themselves. I mean, seriously, these dudes are billionaires and we are sitting here siding with them instead of the people who put their bodies on the line. And it drives me crazy when I hear people talking about this. Well, if they want to win or man, he's just weak minded or he, he would just play. If Ben Simmons really was about this life, he would play the game. No, why would he do that? Why would he put his body on the line? Why would he put his health on the line for a situation he does not want to be in when he has the power to make it change? And we continuously go back to this because most people, y'all say, they will say this. And I know, I know people listen to this. You will say, well, if I had this job, yeah, but you don't, you don't, you are not Ben Simmons. You are not OBJ. They are not replaceable as you. They are not as replaceable as you. They can find another person to flip that burger. They can find another person to mop that floor. They are not finding another dude to be 6'1", run a four three, and catch a damn football. They're not finding another dude to be 6'10", and basically average a, a triple-double in the NBA without a jump shot. That is hard to find. Those guys are unicorns. So, yes, they have power. They have leverage. You don't stop being mad and stop hating that you are not them and just appreciate it and get on the side of people who are more like you than the people who are way less like you i'm getting off my soapbox we back after the break so this weekend uh my wife and I watched a movie on Netflix. Well, I'd heard about this movie. It's called Passing. And the title is Passing on Netflix. And I'd heard about it for for months waiting to see this. It's uh written and directed by uh Rebecca Hall. Um and it's adapted from a novel uh by the same name by Nella Larson. And it, it was I mean, literally, it came out in 1929. Um, so this is a long time ago, but uh, it's about passing. And I had some people. It was like passing. What we, Kevin, we talked about this earlier, and I said passing. You're like oh, I was just. You thought it was what? I had no clue what it was. He <laughs> <Yep. laughs> thought it was just somebody passing away, right? Or hell, we're on this sports show. If I say passing. People might think about be a book about quarterbacks, but no. Um, it's it's. It came out in 1929, and passing refers to the term of. For this instance, for African-Americans who were just light skinned enough and, you know, without enough pigment to be able to be thought of and seen as possibly being white, to be able to basically fool society into them being white so that they could have some kind of upper mobility and basically not have to live as a black person. This movie is was one of the my favorite movies i mean it's probably the favorite my my favorite movie of night of 2021 uh it's film shot in black and white the pacing is beautifully done it's just a slow burn of a movie and the two starring actresses are amazing and i've and literally it's uh Tessa Thompson, who if if you know, we watch, this is a sports show. You guys watch Creed or Creed Two. She was, um, you know, Michael B. Jordan's girl in both of those movies. She's just one of the best actresses in the world. Uh, she's also in Westworld, and she's phenomenal in that. Ruth Negga, um, she's a British actress, but she's phenomenal in this movie. Um, yeah, if you've, I don't know, hell, oh, you know what? She was in the the movie with Brad Pitt um, at, at Astra. She's in Ad Astra. She's also in another um, a movie about race called Loving, uh, which was about the first biracial couple that uh, passed. It went through Supreme Court that they could actually be together because it used to be a crime. They were in Virginia. It was a crime for them to be married. And they went through the Supreme Court and got it passed. And they're um, you know, a, a, a great story for interracial love in America and marriages. But this movie just touched so many things and just, I mean, it's basically told from the perspective of Tessa Thompson, who plays uh, this lady named Irene, and she goes out for a day to try to see if she can pass. It's we're 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 actually getting a glimpse of her first time trying to just pass in society as a white person, and for some reason she does it, and you can tell she's she's a light skinned black woman. Um, she's I, I believe she's of mixed she's mixed race uh but her features don't necessarily look white she looks like a a black person that's just very lighter skinned and when i researched it when i was watching the movie i'm thinking well these these two women don't look like they're they're white right and this movie was done in black and white for that purpose so that it would play down the color but also imagine how black people and white people are seeing this in the in the 1920s right there's there's a scene in here where the guy who's the white guy who's married to ruth nega basically is in the room with two black women but doesn't really know doesn't know because he's never really been around black people he's, he's in one of the and, and irene asked him do you have you ever known any black people no i don't know any black people you know That's that was his reality so how would he be able to tell if this woman was black or white, he just saw that she was a good looking, fair skinned woman. And so the movie goes through this relationship with these two women because they used to be friends as they were younger. I really ask you to check this out. They used to be friends as they're younger. But the main point of the story is seeing how people's lives are affected, how people's lives were affected, even how it, it, it might be to this day that somebody, wanted so desperately to not have to be of a certain race so that they could feel joy, feel love, feel acceptance. But you also see that even in doing that, they felt lost from what they left. And from the other side, you see one person who really wanted that thing, and as she really wanted that thing, she lost what she had. And so the the narrative sort of becomes, we're all passing for something, right? Everybody's passing for something. And we're all just trying to figure out exactly where we fit in and where we want to fit in. This movie, I I can't recommend it enough. Um, It's just gorgeous. Black and white, slow. The music is haunting. The performances are (laughs) memorable. I was, after the movie finished, me and my wife sat around talking about it for about an hour. And then I got on the phone with a buddy of mine and we talked about it for a bit. then I did some research to find out more about the movie, find out about the director. It's just great. I think it'll be nominated for an Academy Award for sure, for cinematography, for both of the actresses. Uh, Hell, the wardrobe, the score, the director, uh, it's shot in New York, and New York is also a character in the movie because of these historic buildings and historic landscapes. It just looks phenomenal. I can't stress enough, if you're listening to this, watch Passing on Netflix, and hit me up on Instagram. Um, I know a couple of you have reached out to me on Instagram and, and talked with me. It's at Coach with Reg on Instagram, or Twitter, at Reggie Watkins Jr., and let's discuss... Passing on Netflix. Great film. I recommend it. Check it out. It'll do you some good. Maybe change your perspective on life. I'm Reggie Watkins. You've been listening to I'm Probably Right. My man Kevin Cleland runs the show, engineers, produces. Thank you so much, sir. Wherever you're at, rate us, review us, subscribe, comment, but don't be hate. Talk to you next week. Peace.